each other. Welcome to worship at Seattle Mennonite Church. This is the third Sunday of Lent. We acknowledge, as we do each week, that we are gathered on the traditional territory of Indigenous peoples. And here, here in Seattle, that is the unceded lands of the Duwamish tribe. As, as a congregation, we contribute real rent to the Duwamish, and many of our households are also real renters. We are grateful to our creator and to the tribe for being faithful stewards of this land for many, many generations. Uh, as an unrecognized tribe, the Duwamish are inviting their allies and supporters to support a petition uh, in which they are asking again to be federally recognized by our government. And that petition reads in part, despite all odds, the Duwamish people have continued to reside in their traditional territory since 1855, and the tribe remains headquartered in Seattle, Washington. The Duwamish people have done their part for 10,000 years. Please do yours. With your federal, with your support, federal recognition of the Duwamish tribe can be reinstated legislatively, administratively, or judicially in 2021. I encourage you to, to check out that petition and to support the Duwamish in whatever way that you can uh, now and ongoing and hopefully even after they receive federal recognition. Friends, this is the season of Lent and, <clears throat> excuse me, a year ago tomorrow marks the anniversary of our very first Sunday that we met in this way in Zoom Church. <clears throat> it has been one year. And in some ways, uh, we've become pros at it. We've, even though we're learning more and more about Zoom every day, uh, we, we're, we're pretty good at worshiping like this. We've, we've figured out the tricks and we've we figured out how to do it. We've learned how to do ASL signs. We've, we're, we've become experts at whispering in church through the chat. Uh, we've discovered ways of connecting uh, that we didn't know were possible. And we can be grateful for that. And of course, we're still grieving. We're grieving the loss of music. We're grieving the loss of those casual conversations that we have over coffee during fellowship. We're grieving the loss of seeing our children uh, run around in our midst, and we're grieving the loss of life. So, so many lives that we grieve. And still, still we trust that the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst, moving among us, weaving us together as a community so that we can claim this time of physical distance as we've been doing each week, not just as something to endure, but as something that we can claim as a community that will that will that is an experience that we share with each other. During this time of Lent, during this season, we're we're hearing stories of uh, repentance and rejoicing and repair. Those are our those are our theme words throughout this season: repent, rejoice, repair. And today we're hearing very familiar stories of a lost uh, a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son, all of which are found and then celebrated with great rejoicing. We're going to sing with rejoicing, or we're going to listen to some folks singing with rejoicing. Uh, this is opening uh, song is from our new hymnal. And I, I'm not sure who is singing it, but it comes from the hymn, the song collection that, of recordings that came with the hymnal. So we'll get to hear one of those songs actually sung uh, in a community, even if it's not our community.
I invite you to join in this call to worship. I will read the white print and I invite you to respond along with Pastor Megan with the purple. As a shepherd seeks a lost sheep. So God seeks and saves the lost. Like a woman who searches for a lost coin until it is found. So God rejoices over one soul restored to wholeness. As a father receives a returning wayward son. So God welcomes us and lets the past be the past. Therefore, let us praise God in thanksgiving that we are received. Let us receive and welcome and rejoice over one another in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We light our peace candle this week and every week to remember that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. Mm -hmm. This is the anniversary of Bloody Sunday, the march for, uh, for voting rights over the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And this year has also seen the loss of many civil rights leaders of that era who are part of that march. Um, I'm reminded this week of how much further our country still has to go in the in naming uh, the value of Black life and the inclusion of Black folks in, in real uh, leadership and community. And Megan reminded me also that this is the week that the jury is being selected for the Derek Chauvin case. He was the cop who murdered um, George Floyd last June and which sparked a movement and uprising for black life in this country. And uh, <clears throat> already <clears throat> uh, I think there is heightened anxiety among many folks that this will just be another opportunity for a cop to get off or for justice not to be seen. <clears throat> and so we can pray now and always for the valuing of black life for accountability among leaders and for those who do violence uh, to the Black community, uh, and including the violence that we see within ourselves, that we can see in ourselves. And so we pray together. We long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. And we choose to live for a just peace. May peace be with you. And also with each one of you. For our children's time this morning, For our children's time this morning, we're going to read from this book called Who Counts, which is written by Amy Jill Levine and Sandy Eisenberg Sasso. Uh, Sandy Eisenberg Sasso has written many books about faith for young children. Amy Jill Levine is uh, more new to it, but she has been a Jewish scholar of the New Testament and of Jesus for many, many years. So they're bringing their uh, understanding of this very familiar story, the very familiar story of the, from the Bible, or three stories actually, three different stories in this one book about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. We start with 100 sheep. 100 sheep. If just a single one were lost, who would notice? Who counted the sheep anyway? The man did. The man had a lot of sheep, 100 of them. He counted them every day. And when I read this with Ori, we always count also. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10. And he kept counting. Now we're going to count by tens. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 sheep. It took time to count a long time. One day, the man counted. And see, he's counting by tens again. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 192, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. There is 100. He stopped. There were only 99. He must have made a mistake. He had 100 sheep, not 99. He counted again. I'm not going to count again. Still, there were only 99. One of his sheep was missing. He was responsible for all the sheep, all 100 of them. I'm going to go back just for a minute because I bet you can see where the lost sheep is. But the man didn't see her. Immediately, the man went looking for the lost sheep. He walked and walked, but he saw nothing. He kept walking. He looked to the left, nothing. He looked to the right, nothing. But do you notice? Do you notice where she is? It's like she's hiding. He walked and he listened, still nothing. But then he heard it, a bleeding sound. Bah! She is bleeding. She must be in there. He ran toward the sound, and there she was, the lost sheep. He had found her. She was too tired to follow him home, so he lifted her on his shoulders and carried her. He was happy to have all his sheep together, and he invited everyone to celebrate. Some people said, it's so wonderful. It was only one sheep. You have 99 others. The man smiled. One sheep without one sheep makes a difference. Without her, something is missing. Now my flock is complete. Ten coins. Ten drachmas. Ten silver coins. Every day the woman would count them. One, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then one day she counted. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. She stopped. She couldn't have made a mistake, but she counted again anyway. Still, she counted only nine. One drachma was missing. She had lost one of her coins. The woman lit a lamp to see more clearly. She looked under chairs and in corners. No coin. But here again, do you notice where the coin is hiding? And in this picture too, there it is. She looked in cabinets and in waste baskets. Still no drachma. She took a broom and swept the floor. There were crumbs and dust, but no coin. Oh, it was all her fault. She had lost the coin, and now she must find it. She searched again with the light and the broom. Ping! Finally, she saw something shining and heard a ping. She looked down, and there was the missing coin. She held the coin in her hands for a few moments, and then she carefully placed it with the other drachmas. She was so happy to have all the coins that she invited the women in town to celebrate. Some people said, so important, it was only one coin. The woman smiled. Just one coin matters. Without it, something is missing. Now my coin collection is complete. Two sons. A father had two sons. Easier to count than 10. Much easier than 100. One day, the younger son wanted half of his father's money. It would be his eventually, but he could not wait. He was restless and he wanted to travel. So the father divided his wealth in half and gave half to his younger son and half to his older son. The young son went to a foreign land. There he had a great time doing whatever he wanted. 
But before long, all the money was spent and he had none left, not even to pay for food. There was not even, not even to, no one would share even a crumb of bread with him as there was little food in the land. The son went to work for a farmer to try to earn enough to buy something to eat. The farmer told him to go feed the pigs. Even the pods that the pigs ate looked good. Finally, the son was so hungry and tired that he decided to return to his father, but he wasn't sure what to say. How could he tell his father that he had spent all the money? His good pants were torn, his shirt was stained, his fancy shoes had holes. He thought, I will tell my father that I made a big mistake. I will say that I'm sorry, and I will offer to work hard to earn the money. The younger son returned home. His hair was uncombed. His face was dirty. His hands were covered in blisters. His father ran to greet him. He was so happy he did not care about anything else. Instead of making his son earn money for clothing and food, he gave him a new coat, new shoes, even a new ring. He invited everyone to come to his home to celebrate. The sun just came out outside my window. It's like the sun is celebrating too. A little bit bright. The older son was still working in the field when he heard happy sounds of singing and laughter and smelled sweet spices coming from his home. He wondered what was happening. He stopped one of the neighbors who was heading to his house and asked, what is going on? The neighbor was surprised by the question. Don't you know that your father is making a big party for your brother to mark his return? The older brother did not know. When the father counted everyone who had come to the party, he realized one person was missing. That person was his older son. He had forgotten to invite him. He ran out of his house to find his son. When the older son saw his father coming, he turned toward him. He turned away. He was sad and angry that no one had come to find him. The father spoke softly. Your brother has come home. I invited all of our friends to celebrate with us. You must come and be glad with us. He tried to hug his son, but his son folded his arms across his chest. The older son finally said to his father, I have been with you all these years that my brother has been away. I did not waste your money. I did everything you wanted me to. I never left you, but my brother did. And you made a big party for him. You never had one for me. You didn't even invite me to his. The father thought, I have two sons, one, two. I paid attention to my younger son, but I discovered my older, but I discounted my older son. I didn't realize that he felt lost. The father took his older son's hands in his own. Please come and join the party. I love you. All that I have is yours. Come and be with me and with your brother. I have two sons, one, and he pointed to the house where his younger brother was celebrating, too. And he put his arm around his older son. Without you, he said, something is missing. With you, our family is complete. Luke 15, 1 to 32. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. 
Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided the property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property and dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough? and to spare. But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then he, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of, of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he had got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, he has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Indeed, thanks be to God. I invite everyone again to join with me in this confession reading with Pastor Megan, the purple words. God, whose arms are always open and welcome, we turn to you in repentance. When we wander, straying far from your care and tending, forgive us. When we take our privilege and abundance for granted, forgive us. When we wallow in resentment or self-pity, or nurse grudges. Forgive us. 
repair what has been broken in us. And with your help, may we seek to repair the brokenness which we cause. And receive these words of affirmation. The God whose arms are well, the God who welcomes us with open arms rejoices in our homecoming. Receive the assurance and the joy of God's love. Amen. I was listening to a couple of commentators reflect on this scripture this past week. And one of them said that parables have an excess of meaning. Indeed, they do. Jesus could have frankly offered more sermons in a sentence. That would have been useful. Uh, or expository lectures that followed a clear point-by-point -point outline. But instead, he told a bunch of stories, each one with an excess of meaning which makes preaching them in any sort of reasonable time frame quite the challenge. And I kept getting flummoxed this week, not being able to decide which amongst the hundred different versions of a sermon I could preach that I ought to preach this particular week. About 10 years ago now, I once preached on the parable of the prodigal son for the entire season of Lent, all five Sundays on just that one story, utilizing Henry Nouwen's book about the parable and also about Rembrandt's iconic painting of the return. And now I'm supposed to preach it, this parable, along with its two companion parables, all three of them, in just one Sunday, and it's altogether too much. I had this vague recollection of having once preached an I Can Talk About sermon, taking a page from Melanie's Interplay book and I looked back and sure enough, it was about exactly two years ago to the day that I did just that. So I'm gonna repeat that today, not the sermon, it's a totally different text, but that format. And I can talk about, for those of you perhaps unfamiliar or have forgotten about it, is this practice of going around, if you're in a group setting, maybe you're in a circle, going around the circle and taking turns completing the sentence without actually talking about the thing that you talk about, but just naming it. So this, for example, I can talk about assembling enchiladas or I can talk about the strange and wondrous things found in tide pools. And I really like this practice. I like this practice for a lot of reasons, but without going into those, with no further ado, here we go. I can talk about Jesus beginning his sheep parable by rhetorically asking, which one of you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost until you find it? And me wanting to reply, which one of us? None of us. None of us would do that. None of us would be foolish enough to abandon 99 sheep in the wilderness leaving all 99 sheep vulnerable to also wandering off or a predator attack or being stolen by a sheep thief in order to just seek one measly sheep. Which one of you having 100 sheep wouldn't leave 99 behind for the one? None of us. None of us who would ever once again want to be hired to care for sheep. I can talk about my own bafflement at Jesus's baffling rhetorical question and having very different assumptions from him. I can talk about the shepherd's concern with the hundredness of the hundred. And my wondering if perhaps it's less about the one who wandered and more about the wholeness of the flock, the hundredness of the hundred. I can talk about my own itchiness around rhetoric of unity, both in politics and religion. And I suppose if I'm being honest, anywhere that it's touted by authorities of almost any kind, about how often those who employ frequent calls to unity mean to silence those who agitate for justice justice for those in the margins who are left behind or disregarded or oppressed. I can talk about my own 
itchiness. But I can also talk about being drawn into the image of a God who's concerned for the hundredness of the hundred. I can talk about my own deep longing for the hundredness of the hundred and that sort of wholeness right here at Seattle Mennonite Church. I can talk about a woman finding one of 10 coins and then inviting her friends over to celebrate with her, likely spending more than one coin's worth on drinks and nosh to share, and ending the day a little poorer than she started it, and a little poorer than if she just let the darn coin stay lost and skipped the party. I can talk about God perhaps being a little bit bad at math. I can talk about God being a little bit bad at math and very good at parties, perhaps being the point. I can talk about Jesus never having used the phrase, the prodigal son. And the fact that that particular phrase wasn't even used until the Latin Bible, which was known as the Vulgate, until it arrived on the scene in the late fourth century. I can talk about alternate names for this most familiar of parables, like parable of the faithful older brother and his sibling. I could also, as an eldest, add an adjective to that sibling. <laughs> or parable of the prodigal father. More on that later. I can talk about the younger son asking for his inheritance from his father being the equivalent of saying, dad, I wish you were dead. Or dad, you are worth more to me dead than alive. Or dad, you are dead to me. I can talk about pierced hearts. I can talk about the shepherd having sought out one lost of a hundred, the woman having sought one lost of 10, but the father never really having sought either of his lost two sons, never seeking the younger one of two when he took his inheritance and ran, nor seeking the elder one of two when he was out working in the field and the party was about to start. I can talk about my bafflement that the father never seeks out either of the two lost sons. I can talk about, even at the end of the story, the lack of repentance of the younger son. When I read it, I see he's hungry, he's desperate, he's practical, and he's calculating. There's no real evidence that he's actually repentant in, in the sense of sorry, that he's actually sorry beyond having scripted a speech in advance in which he says he's sorry so that he can eat the way his father's hired hands eat. I can talk about a father who upon seeing the arguably unrepentant son far off in the distance is filled with compassion hikes up his robes and runs like the Dickens <laughs> in a manner considered undignified in his time and his place and perhaps in ours as well. I can talk about the younger son who was out partying away his inheritance, partying on top of his living father's grave being welcomed home by his father with, drum roll please, another party, a big fat party thrown by his father, the same father the younger son had wished dead, a party to welcome him home from too much partying. I can talk about prodigal, meaning spending freely and recklessly and wastefully extravagant. I can talk about a prodigal father who'd very recently lost a rather significant chunk of his wealth, you do recall, a portion of his wealth that is now gone for good 
I can talk about a prodigal father spending freely and recklessly, killing his most prized fatted calf and being wastefully extravagant in his party throwing for the returned younger son. Also interestingly, spending the inheritance of the elder. I can talk about a prodigal father. I can talk about seriously and deeply and intimately feeling for that poor elder son. From one eldest to another, I identify. And I'm guessing many of y'all can too. I can talk about being more struck this week in living with this text than ever before by the fact that the eldest is still working in the field when the party gets started without him. That no one is sent to fetch him, to let him know even what's going on. That he has no idea what's going on until he trudges home from a long day of grueling labor in the fields and he hears the music. The party's already underway. Here's the music, wonders what's going on, and only then learns about his younger brother's return and the biggest party of his life. I can talk about feeling for that guy. I can talk about recalling that this whole thing started with the Pharisees and the scribes chiding Jesus for the company that he kept. That Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them caused the Pharisees and scribes to grumble. I can talk about the near identical refrain in each of three stories that Jesus tells in response to that grumbling. Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Rejoice with me for I found the coin that I lost. We had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life, was lost and has been found. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. You don't like the company I keep, asks Jesus. Hear the voice of God in shepherd, in woman, and in father of two sons. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. I can talk once again. And finally, about God being a little bit bad at math and very good at parties, perhaps being the point. Well, you can see that's quite a lot to marinate in. And even that was distilled down. <laughs> So I invite you to pause for a moment and just notice what word or phrase or image or question or wondering, what is it that's bubbling up in you? And if you'd like to, after that noticing, you may type that word or phrase into the chat box or you may simply ponder it in your heart. Thank you.
As we continue in a spirit of prayer, you're invited to continue to add words or phrases into the chat box that are stewing in you and stirring your spirit, um, but as well, add also prayers for the community that we will include in our congregational petitions, beginning with these words from Jan Richardson. When I have become so reliant on myself that I cannot see the need that gnaws so deep in my soul, open our eyes, open our hearts and open our mouths to cry out for the help that you, O oh God, do not ration, the deliverance that you delight to offer in glad and generous measure. Abba God, we come to you, <clears throat> we come to your glad and generous embrace with our prayers, and you welcome us as you do all lost things. We pray this day for beloved friends of our congregation, the Brackman family, who are mourning the loss of Ted one week ago. Be close to Deb and Tara and Greta and their families in this time of sorrow. We thank you for the life of your faithful servant, Ted, and for the years that he has lived beyond his diagnosis, knowing that you welcome him home to you. We hold in your presence the Community of Hope Fellowship, a new queer activist church in Bellingham called together by Mennonite minister and church planter, Rachel Weasley as this community needs to pause its initial momentum as Rachel shifts focus to attend to a health crisis in the family. We pray that you may continue to grow good things in that community and knit together with healing those to whom Rachel attends in her family and in her congregation. We lift up in prayer a friend of this congregation, Rebecca Rojas, now living in Florida as she has become seriously ill and is on a ventilator in hospital. In this non-COVID related illness, we ask for your presence and care for her children and brother here in Washington who are longing to be with her and worried for her, hold them in your light. We pray today for Jim Bridges who is currently on his way to Illinois to gather with the family of his cousin, Jean, who unexpectedly lost her 50-year-old daughter, Jennifer, to cancer this week. They are all experiencing shock sorrow, and we pray that you would experience, they would experience our prayers and the prayers of many others, buoying them in their time of mourning. We are grateful today, God, that prayer and pressure have delayed the land transfer of Oak Flat. Immediately following a powerful week of prayer, which included runs from the four directions by indigenous nations to Oak Flat and danced prayers in that sacred land, the Department of Agriculture instructed the Forest Service to withdraw the final environmental impact statement and draft record of decision related to Oak Flat. We are grateful for this delay, but court challenges still loom as uh, we are also invited to continue in prayer and action to protect sacred lands alongside indigenous communities. For we know that the hungers of extractive industry fueled by consumption are ever present and knocking on the door. Turning to the chat. with Elaine Hickman prayers for the courageous people of Myanmar as they rise up to demand return to democratic rule. With Christy prayers for safety for Christy's mom as she travels to Maine to get today to be with her mother who has received a terminal diagnosis and is declining. Sabrina prayers for Sarah Bridget's professor and employer who has been diagnosed with brain cancer this week. So 
so many concerns and so many lives being held and at such a distance when we can't be together, oh God. God of the lost, released and all who long for home when we wander from your ways and waste the gifts you have given us, welcome us back, we pray. So that we may celebrate and rejoice in your presence forever through Jesus Christ, your beloved. Amen. We continue in prayerful gratitude for each of the gifts that you all offer to this congregation. Whether that is your presence here in our worship, whether that is time given to the work of our ministries, or whether that is your money. We're grateful that we have the means to collect those offerings of money digitally. Our closing song for today is our own voices from, uh, I think it is a couple of advents ago, uh, will hear us in song and in a comment, I think it's else on the violin uh, in this song. And so we sing with ourselves. receive these words of benediction. God who is bad at math, but so good at parties, the love and 
justice and grace and mercy that you have demonstrated through Jesus is more than we could ask or imagine. May we leave from this time of worship ready to run into your wide open arms of welcome and restoration. Amen. <laughs>